0: One, welcome to the weekly secrets of saturn live stream well how is everyone i hope the beer bug hasn't got you down uh this week we have as you can see if everything is working as it should be our friend james true who guested uh on crow triple seven radio not too long ago i think everybody who knows him knows how awesome he is and if you don't know you need to know course Wayne is here with me as well and since he's still having a little bit of webcam issues I'm gonna add in his logo momentarily here so that all that works so give me one second let me check this let's see check that that looks good ladies and gentlemen if you can tell me how all the uh, the three mics are balanced well if I, if I need to adjust anything let me know I'll change the balance on that I know it's always hard with people using different gear and all that so hello chat room i see we have a lot of folks here already how's the d live we've got the bears hello bears it's mostly bears not all bears but mostly bears maybe maybe owen will show up for some good gravy tonight because we are in fact going to talk about some serious gravy tonight we're going to talk about transhumanism something that obviously. a lot is of gravy there oh dude dude i think you carry on around your own personal ladle for transhumanism gravy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking up the Owen Benjamisms. I think I kind of like them. <laughs> but uh, Benjen, ben, Benjamin-isms. There we go. I got to say that right. The Owen Benjamin-isms. So hello to everybody. I like
1: Benjamisms better.
0: Benjamisms? All right. We'll see what he likes. Uh, yeah, I, we'll
1: go with that.
0: I'll have to hit him up. i be like, what am I calling these things? Because we're all picking up your lingo, brother. <laughs> ben, Benjanama- anakin's <laughs> There you go all right so let me get Wayne added on here then we'll do a quick word from our sponsors we always do our sponsor is of course our friend Randy from Houston who if you've seen our film shoot the moon he did a a guest spot on there he is one of the people who shot the lunar wave and he's got a little company going called lower the friction I'll get to that in a moment as soon as I get Wayne's logo added on for those who want to at least have something to look at in relation to Wayne where
1: is yeah your... you don't want to look at my ugly mug anyway so that's <laughs> doing you a favor tonight
0: wayne logo there we are i just have to make it fit in the space we'll stick you in the corner Wayne. I always seem
1: to have i always seem to wind up standing in the corner i don't understand
0: <laughs> you go in the corner <laughs> mr mccroy <laughs> James, we we try to be a little more lighthearted here. By the way, I know we're uh, very serious on on Crow Triple Seven Radio, but one of the things that we decided to do with the live streams is just be a little more chill about everything. Because Wayne and I both have some wicked senses of humor, and we just figured, you know, instead of being super uptight about everything and just trying to get uh, all this information that can sometimes be really dark and heavy across to everyone, we figured, you know, we're gonna get we're gonna give the gravy out, but let's be lighthearted about it too. I mean, especially right now. The beer bugs got everybody down. I don't know about everyone else, but holy cow, I can't even go sit in a freaking coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll put my shirt on, <laughs> <then. laughs> James.
2: James. <laughs> ah, love you, dude. You're awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah, get comfortable, man. <laughs> uh, I will get comfortable. You guys won't be, but I will get comfortable.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Let's take 40 seconds hey, out for our quick word from Randy from Houston. Be right back. and it's not working. Why is it not working? Ha! how amusing. This is not working this week. Uh-oh. All right, so we'll just do it do it uh man, I, I don't understand. It's it's loaded in and everything. That's so funny. Why are you not playing?
1: Well, let's do it the old-fashioned way.
0: I guess <laughs> so. I mean, I've got the thing, browse here. I'm going to we're, we're we're fixing things on air. This is live radio. This is how it was in 1935, man fix it on air fix it <laughs> we'll do it live we'll do, we'll do it live, it live. exactly <laughs> all right i'm gonna try
1: friction.com put in the promo code sos for five percent savings
0: <laughs> and buy my boner pills did you, Did you know, know that 85% your engine wear occurs, occurs at startup? startup? Yes, yes that, is that is correct. And this is where is lower lower the friction, friction comes, comes in by putting, by putting a protective a lubricating, lubricating barrier on all moving parts. parts. This, this now gives you full-time protection to make your engine your last longer, run smoother, give you, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy.
1: People
0: across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to LowerTheFriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's LowerTheFriction.com. All right. Again, if you happen to buy the product and try it out, we would love to hear from you because I'm using it in my little my little Honda Fit and I'm getting as I always say, between three and five miles per gallon better in my car. The most I've seen so far is 40 point something. I forget what it got up to, which is good because my average gas mileage is only supposed to be about 35. So that's cool. That's, that's good for the, for the 60 bucks you would put in over the course of several years. By the way, Pluto decided to come in and join us. If you can see his little tail sticking up behind my TV there, it's kind of funny. But uh, anyway, I need to take a peek at the chat here real quick. And uh, guys, I know I asked before, but I was trying to get all this other stuff working. So if the volume on everybody is good, let me know. If we need anything to, uh, to fix, let me know that too. All right. Let's see. Sound. Okay. I guess we're good. Folks, is, is, is the sound now... I know there's a delay. So is the sound on the voices on what we're saying right now? Good. Hopefully. Hopefully. Let me know. But anyway, let's get into this. Transhumanism is, of course, a very, very heavy and serious subject. Uh, it is something that Wayne wrote into both of his books so far, and I think you're going to be touching on in your third book too, right?
1: Oh, a little more than touching on. I, I think it's <laughs> going to you know, just outright spell things out for people uh, when it comes down to it. So, yeah, it's interesting. And in fact, uh, I've decided to push back with all these recent events happening, uh, to push back the release of my book until the summertime now, because uh, all these current events going on, uh, I I have to include a lot of these current events into uh, the book. So it's going to be a little more drawn out of a process than what I originally anticipated. But you know, I wasn't really expecting the Spanish Inquisition, so to say here. So. Well,
0: nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody, nobody. Okay, hmm. never mind. And James, how about you? I <laughs> I'll know. Laugh for
1: you, Jesus. <laughs>
0: I know that you, you also going are quite familiar. Anyway, Wayne's got this down for sure. Yeah, I would definitely say that. So, anyway, James. Uh, What would you like to talk about as far as uh, transhumanism from what you've written? I know you've got at least one book that completely centers on it. I'm not familiar with everything you've written. So go ahead and let the folks know if they're not familiar with your work.
2: Um, Actually, my transhumanism book um, is coming out April, maybe 1st, April 1st. It's like really close. The editor has it now. Um, She's kicking ass on it. It's about two thirds of the way Through as far as like proofing wise, so it's really close, and uh, it's a sci-fi story. It's it's the first time I've written like a like a whole novel that's just one story. So, um, but it shows a person struggling with um, so enhancement comes through our fetish for weakness. We we find weakness and we fetishize on it. We focus in on it. We we obsess about it. And transhumanism is there. Uh, waiting for that it's uh it's waiting for that seed and when we come in and put our intention of weakness into that seed the seed the seed uh, reacts and goes i can feed that buddy well we can we can talk about how weak you are by exploring how much stronger you could be hmm. if you were to put me deep deep inside you and that <clears throat> starts a process just like a sculptor would take a chisel and drive it between a crack in the granite. Um, it's a very specific process that involves the disassociation is always a splintering kind of effect. And so transhumanism is really the most beautiful romantic, uh, yeah, form of this kind of disassociation. When I say it's beautiful and romantic, it, it's I don't think most of us understand that right now. And, and uh, it's, it's only because I've looked ahead and I'm seeing oh my God, <laughs> look at look at what's coming, you know? And, and just like everything else I say, I'm trying to tell someone what's coming and someone's telling me how irresponsible or what a terrible person I am for suggesting that this could be coming or how dare you see something like this or how dare you see something like that? And just like everything I do, uh, this is how this job works. <laughs> if you want to tell people what's going to happen, if you remember that show Vikings, there's this really cool character where this guy like has no face, you can't see his eyes and he's like the seer guy. And a lot of times, when I'm in my position, I'm I'm basically that guy. It's just like this ugly, hideous thing that's in broad daylight. But everything he says seems to keep happening. <laughs> like he keeps he keeps telling you what's going on, and and I think that's really what makes transhumanism so dangerous. Is because so many people are are obsessed with how wrong I am for telling them about it. It actually pushes us that much closer uh, into that. Uh, that relationship where we let it come and take us over. Uh, we actually beg for it. It becomes our savior. I've always said that we will beg for the new world order. And uh, this is this is kind of like the ultimate seduction, I think, coming along.
0: You know, it's funny, James. I <clears throat> made the joke earlier to, to Crow today. I haven't listened to Alex Jones in a very long time because obviously I grew past that whole kind of approach to things a long, long time ago. But I tuned in yesterday just to see what he was saying about the beer bug. And, you know, it's kind of funny I'm listening to him tell the same old stories, but it's not as funny now to laugh at Alex Jones because the crap that he was saying 15 years ago, even though I still think he's a gatekeeper, is happening now. It's not so funny anymore to laugh at Alex Jones and his gay frogs. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's what makes it even more difficult because you have figures like that that are placed out in front that that do things like he does. Um, it makes it easier for people to uh, – turn to the seers and say, how dare you, how dare you, <laughs> you know, how dare you tell me what's happening. And in a lot of ways, Alex Jones makes them feel better. He gives them an excuse to dismiss everybody. It's such a crucial, crucial way of, uh, of bro- uh, making the amnesia contagious is to allow an easy out for it at every corner, you know, make it as, uh, as sexy as possible to reject it. Uh, remember how, how hard it was to publicly show support for Alex Jones. It doesn't really matter where in your career you were as far as your own truth career. It's always expensive for you to come out and say, yeah, but Alex Jones did this or he said that. It, it, that expensiveness, that, that that cost that's applied to you by people calling you irresponsible for listening, calling you irresponsible for thinking about it, that's part of this uh, amnesia machine. You know, the the zeitgeist that's telling you it's okay. It's okay. James is crazy, you know. Wayne is nuts. Jason has no idea what he's talking about. You know, it's it's that kind of soothing that happens, that makes it worse. It, you know, it's reinforcing the entire, the entire framework around us.
1: Absolutely, I agree with you one hundred and ten percent. There, it's all, it's all factored into this. These controllers of our society, they're very knowledgeable of human psychology, and uh, this is. The way they steer things they control both sides of every aspect of of every argument that there is so if they could uh, put somebody like alex jones out in the front uh you know telling the way for a lot of these people years ahead of time and make them sound like a total nut job and then lo and behold later on some of this stuff comes to fruition and then uh you know there's other people out there talking about it just by the association that's made with him then we're all painted with the same brush and uh, the controllers know this so know. they they already put it out there in, into the uh the social consciousness that uh, this guy is a nutter you know he says this and that and there's this whole group of conspiracy theorists these crazy wacky conspiracy theorists that come out and are saying you know very similar things or the same things and they're all a bunch of nut jobs all of them and they paint us all with the same brush even though I can show you, you know, peer reviewed scientific journal after scientific journal, uh, just telling you, uh, this stuff is, is it's real. It's coming to be, uh, and they're, they're implementing it now. There's even social, uh, think tank groups and stuff talking about the ethical concerns of things like transhumanism. And, uh, You know, different concepts like okay well if a handicapped person could take a transhumanist uh, cybernetic enhancement is it not ethical for somebody who's not handicapped in any way to take uh, some kind of a cybernetic enhancement and these kind of things are discussed and they have actual white papers and policy papers about this where they discuss this stuff they're planning this stuff 50 years ahead of time and people just can't see for looking at it and you, you could point them in the right direction but most of the time it's been my experience people's eyes gloss over and the cognitive dissonance, it really sets in. And they just, oh, did you see the football game? You know, because it's always all about the sports ball with them for some reason. So it's it's one of those things. So, uh, yeah, and just related to that, Tom Brady's not going to play for the Patriots anymore. I guess that's the, the big news story now about yeah. a lot of that stuff. But uh, people probably know more about that than even the word transhumanism. You say the tr- the word transhumanism to your average Joe on the street. He's like, what? What in the world is that? What are you talking about? They think you're in nutcase. That
2: that's but, a psychic uh, inflammation. You know, th- th- that's an inflammation, D- just like your body will uh, maybe sometimes wrongly inflame on, on a on a cut or something that you have. And I say wrongly because it's you're trying to heal it. But the inflammation is actually stopping you from doing that. Uh, th- that's what happened in your psyche, that there is a, an immune response to truth. Um, it's not really truth that they're immune to. It, it's it's the uh, the reception that their current trance is maybe flawed. Uh, that is a violent act to break that. Adrian Rich, I think, once said, uh, "Unsolicited advice is a violent act." And if you look at what it's like to uh, to grow up in this farm, where literally the entire scaffolding around you is lies. Um, it, it is a very violent thing to have another inmate uh, walk past you and say, "This isn't real." It it, it creates a uh, a shock inside you, and you start to palpitate. You're you're literally uh, <clears throat> in shock. Your your limbic system is reacting to what a threat, <laughs> because the first thing a reptile does is saying, "Are you novel? Is this new?" And then, if you're new, are you a threat? That's how a reptile reacts. A reptile never says, are you morally good? Or what is your position on eco- socioeconomic control of a large populace over history? It's A reptile only wants to know, are you new? And if you're new, do I have to worry about you? And so what, what you end up seeing is, is um, a formula for how to keep you in reptile, which is what? Keep putting something new in front of them. Keep putting something new in front of them. Keep putting something new in front of them. And that's the invention of the news, my friends. That's why they call it the news. They're literally limbically shop- shocking you from one pellet to the next, one pellet to the next. And anyone like me that tries to say stop, this doesn't make sense. That is a threat to A, there's a conveyor belt of news coming down that they have to watch out for. <laughs> that they And you're distracting them because you want to go back to this 9-11 pellet. You know? And, and they're like, Are you nuts? We're, we're, Ukraine's coming. What, what are you talking about? We, we, uranium one, man. How can you think about 9 11 at a time like this? And that's only then when you really start to understand that not only is the conveyor belt there, not only is it a really bad machine, but the reptiles love it. They freaking love it. Why? Because it's a trance state. You're put into a trance state where you just get to watch and go, Oh, here's something new. Is it going to hurt me? Is it going to hurt me? Is it hurt me? Very- oh, here's something new. Is it going to hurt me? Is it going to hurt me? Is it gonna... Oh, here's something new. Is it going to hurt me? Is it going to hurt me? And that's that's your life, man. Like, that's your entire freaking life. And the only way you can get someone in that neo, into that limbic core is to convince them that their neocortex is broken. That's the key. You have to convince them that their neocortex is untrustable, that it's too sexist, racist, xenophobic... That it needs to have its genitals cut off, that it doesn't understand God, that it doesn't understand uh, politics, that it doesn't understand virus theory, that it doesn't know what a germ really is. And that's when your neocortex is like, I have no idea. Obviously, I'm too stupid to understand or I'm too insensitive or I'm too cruel to understand because I'm not seeing the pellets that everyone else is seeing. And what's left? Your reptile. So your reptile starts making your decisions for you. It starts deciding on things. Hey, man, I got you. I got you. I've been doing this for a million years, dude. Is this novel? Is it dangerous? Is it novel? Is it dangerous? And you're back in the cycle again. It's, it's it's a brilliant, brilliant leash. Like, it's, it's so smart <laughs> how to do that. Absolutely. How to make everybody fall for it. It's so and smart. just to add
1: to – Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, and just to add to what you're saying – uh, another workaround that they have for that is to actually break your neocortex. And that's why we have conditions such as autism, like I write about in my book, The Autism Epidemic, Transhumanism's Dirty Little Secret. Because that's what they're doing, folks. They're trying to break our consciousness, uh, break us down uh, to the our most basic primal urges and uh, down to our limbic brain, per se, and completely dysregulate our neocortex so that We live in this constant state of confusion, and we need direction, and the direction that they have in mind for us is direction from the artificial intelligence control grid, and that's where all this is leading. So they want to tie your brain uh, to an artificial intelligence and, uh, you know, have this quote-unquote hive mind and that kind of an idea. That's where this is all leading. That's what the ultimate goal of transhumanism is, and that's why we have epidemics such as the autism epidemic today, because they've been actively working at this since uh, at least the late 1930s now. So, and and this is something people don't realize and need to look at, and this all ties back to a science called cybernetics, and uh, I speak about that heavily. In my second book and in my new book that will be coming out, I'm going to be tearing that down a little bit more because this is probably the most important science of our time, cybernetics. And people don't understand, first of all, what it really truly is and second of all, uh, how it works and how they use it to steer entire populations and agendas and everything else in this world and how they can keep us completely ignorant of its operation and how it works so these are important and you know deep concepts for people to realize but absolutely that's what it all boils down to keep your mind down to its lowest state that's what they do they do this in several ways like you said first of all the limbic brain idea the reptile brain per se the quote-unquote reptile brain this is the, the this is new do I need to worry about it? And they keep you in this constant state because they use that fear as a control tactic. And then another thing they like to do is use the concept of arrested development. They want to keep your mind in a childlike state where you constantly need supervision or direction. And then you'll do things like lock yourself in your house and hide under a blanket in your bedroom for two weeks because your government told you to do it.
2: Yeah, or, or because your neighbors did. Because your neighbors came on and said, "How irresponsible of you to doubt this virus," or "How irresponsible yeah. of you to doubt 9/11," or "I can't believe what a terrible person you are because you're a Republican," <laughs> you know, it's all of these systems are are um, it's a multi-fronted attack, and that's what makes it so effective. And, and I, I would, <clears throat> Wayne, I'm sure you're going to agree with this. I, I would even say let's not call it childlike because what they really want is an adolescent, a post but still prepubescent sort of specimen to stay in that state where your ego has first congealed, but it's in a state where, um, where it's rampant. It's not even wild. It's, it's more like it's reactionary. It's reactionary to the violence that's happening inside of itself because it's limited to one corporeal shell. That it can have, because before the ego set in, none of us were prone to zeitgeist. None of us were uh, susceptible to it. In in fact, when we played, when we had imaginary playtime, uh, that kind of proves what I mean. That you're, you were never taken out of that play mode by embarrassment or is someone you know <clears throat> going to catch me uh, playing pretend Bigfoot in the woods right now? It, it, it's when you're at a certain age, those things. Uh, they're not able to uh, to ramp up. The algorithm is not able to run in your head. You're, you're still too much of a child. It's when this puberty kicks in. It's when this uh, <clears throat> ego congealing kicks in. And again, I don't think ego is the problem. I think that we purposely uh, abuse that ego at a very young age to where it will, it will create this trance state in us to where we end up uh, basically being predictable. I, I don't even think that they, and I wish I hope we talk about they because I actually want us to name who they are because it's actually not maybe the answer you might be expecting. but but I think that they don't really care if we're violent, dangerous for them or against them. All they really care about is are we predictable? <laughs> Can they have an algorithm that has enough yeah. of the you know of the checks where they know, no, J- James is a, I N T J F six four two. So all we got to do is send him. Okay, we need uh, two shots of of this, one shot of this, and, and this, and, and that'll solve him. You know. So it's. But again, this is an algorithm. This isn't like a. This isn't like a Rothschild who's that smart. <laughs> you know, who sits around going, I could get their limbic brain. I, I personally, I don't think it works that way. I don't think those people are that intelligent. I, I think we're looking at something that so old and so big and so hard to accept. Like what I mean is like from a fear standpoint, like it's so hard to accept the truth of it. It's it's like you're standing underneath the belly of a spider, but the spider goes from horizon to horizon to horizon to horizon. And because you've been born under that belly, you simply just don't. It's just not there. It's just it's just no, no, that's not there. And as soon as the sheep's like, hey, that's bad, it's like, ah, kill sheep. Sheep sheep make life bad here. Sheep tell me <laughs> spider. You know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> you guys know that. But it's just a constant, you know, replay, replay based on that, that limbic uh, impulse.
0: Let me take a moment to say thank Absolutely. you to Ted Sommer for the $10 super chat saying support what you love or it goes away. And, man – that's true. Thank you so very much. That's very, very appreciated. Uh, by the way, I'm asked, I'm being asked to put out the request if anyone actually knows anyone with the beer bug. Uh, I don't personally know. Answer in the chat, I guess. I mean, we've got two chat rooms going here, one on DLive and one on YouTube. But uh, th- there aren't enough cases that the likelihood of you knowing someone is going to be very high to begin with. It's one of the things that annoys me about this whole situation that I wish people would see. But anyway, go ahead, Wayne.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, absolutely. uh, James made the perfect assessment there. They do want you to be in this uh, sort of, uh, quote unquote, middle school mindset, uh, Mm -hmm. that kind of prepubescent going into your awkward phase kind of uh, mentality. They want you just trapped there. And you can see this just reflected in in the entertainment. I mean, look at the cartoons that they put on TV. Okay, they've targeted these cartoons. Cartoons used to be for children, especially younger children not anymore now they're geared more towards an adult audience or kind of this this middle school kind of mindset one because you know they There's kind of understand some too, adult Wayne. concepts but they're still yeah. right that's precisely my point point. and it's all middle school humor in there and uh they they just keep you locked into this programming template and that's the thing they want you predictable and controllable and like james said uh you know the. There's very complicated and complex algorithms. They, they know us all better than we know ourselves at this point. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things. And it is kind of scary to think about what really is the power in charge of it all and controlling it all. Because even though you could name some of the names in, you know, the upper echelon of uh, – people on top of the the power pyramid here on Earth, uh, you know, these these royal Illuminati bloodlines or whatever you want to call them, these same families that crop up over and over again. I agree with James's assessment. I don't think these people are really as intelligent as all that to be able to plan it. There's something higher above them that's calling the shots here. And uh, they're just allowed to uh, benefit from this because, you know, they they're willing puppeteers of this. And you could see this even in politics. Whoever's the willing scapegoat to step up and fill the office is the one that that gets the notoriety. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, you had your last administration, Obama. He was a scapegoat. He was the willing scapegoat, stepped up there. Uh, He pulled off a lot of shenanigans. Now you got Trump up there pulling off even more shenanigans. Another willing scapegoat. It doesn't bother him in the least to get criticism at all. Uh, And that's the thing. These guys don't get into these positions of power without playing the game with uh, whoever or whatever is really calling the shots. And uh, that's what people need to understand. I mean, this whole left-right paradigm, it's an illusion, through and through, an illusion. Uh, Make no mistake about it. Governments of the world, politicians, they're not working for us. They don't have the common man's interests in mind. Now, a lot of them may go in with good intentions, but eventually they get uh, co-opted as well. So it, it's one of those things where these people don't rise to these positions where they have any kind of authority whatsoever or or could do this stuff without having the permission of force structure in and of itself. Or what people might call, quote-unquote, the deep state or whatever the popular term is for it. Now, it's always existed to some degree or another. But this, in my estimation, would be equivalent to what you would call the uh, Uh, king priests or the priest kings of uh, the mystery schools and the mystery religions I mean this goes back to ancient times it's the same same kind of thing going on so uh, this is what it is it's just today we have a more modern take on things and and this is what goes on so it does make you wonder what is this power that uh, you know is directing all of this above the human level because uh, we can only where we're at look at what the human players in the game are right here. But, you know, it's it's one of those unknowns where what, what's calling the shots above it. Now, there are some things that we could uh, maybe understand about it, but uh, by and large, nobody could really say for sure who or what exactly it is that calls the shots at the top of the power structure. But there's always these, you know, a couple key uh, families or individuals that pop up here and there all the time and they got their fingerprints all over everything so these are the ones that we could actually look at and, and see what's going on within the world we live in
2: well on that i would uh and this is actually what my my newest book is about is i what i did is add up here's all all the skills they have here's all the techniques they use here's all the uh, foreknowledge they have about our tendencies like over the long term here's the amnesia here's the worldwide global amnesia here's unesco <laughs> an international group of of uh, uh, basically pirates and thieves that go around pretending to be protecting uh, sites and literally ransack them <laughs> and sell those things on the black market and here is a bunch of people that are like yeah yeah, we should protect those sites. We, we should totally let those people do that. And, and when you add up all that conglomerate, um, it can't be a human pulling this off. It can't be anything even like a super smart human. It's going to have to be something uh, uh, supernatural, but still natural. And so supernatural, but still natural would be a technology that we don't understand yet. Or I should clarify, a technology that we're not willing to admit Exists yet? Because uh, that really, I think, more boils down to it, and it, it's only having the history of amnesia that gives me such a giant clue as to who they are, who who they could be, and I think what we're looking at is the last Tower of Babel that was built and fell. Before that Tower of Babel fell, I'm talking about a technological tower, guys. You have to bear with me to explain all this. But when that tower fell, right before it, people who were high ups knew the tower's about to fall. Why don't we save some magic? Why don't we save a couple of iPads and a Sapphire staff? That 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 we let's go ahead and charge that sapphire staff and the nuclear reactor so it'll last a thousand years. Let's take a few of these sapphire staffs and let's let's take uh, some mana because we might need some food. Let's put those in a time capsule that only we know is going to be there, and then let's erase everything. Let's have a giant deluge. Let's literally defragment the entire hard drive of Earth so that no human processor could ever recover their old data, but let's save a thumb drive let's save a torah that we can download when we're done after all this is over and then after the reset happens we're now like badass magicians well, like we are like the badass most amazing people around we've got psychological techniques like trauma bonding where it's like yeah if you put your genitals on the table we will form a bond man like that's such a brilliant idea when it comes to psychological masochism like to install that kind of uh cold control that has to come from someone who completely understands the limbic system who completely understands the nerve endings at the end of your penis and who understands that yeah if you equate a trauma with love like if you can convince a mother to go in and hand it to a nurse and a doctor and say hey i need you to cut this guy's genitals and then give it back to me so i can give it love that's like the perfect seed because you're combining two things that are polar opposites and you're not explaining it to the child you can't explain what happened to him you're actually giving him love you're feeding him dopamine right after the trauma you're telling him trauma is a drug trauma not only is it a drug, but because you don't understand what happened to you, it's gonna linger. You're gonna keep that oscillation going, why'd you cut my why'd you cut my genitals? Why'd you do that? <laughs> why'd you do that? And it's gonna take you two years before you can even talk. So you're not you've got two years to fester on this, to inflame, to psychically inflame, and to enter this state where you really can't trust anybody around you because even the people that you trust have been compromised by their own trauma, by their own amnesia. And so you end up with, we're now in 2020, and I ask my nurse friends, why are you still cutting dicks? And they look at me like I'm the problem. They're looking at me like, how dare you, James? You don't even fucking understand how it works. And I'm like, really? I'm the one that doesn't understand what a hospital is you literally have to, when you go into hospital, you have to make sure you're like, Hey, 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 do not cut my kid's dick off, please. And they're like, Oh, 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 I you said that. <laughs> oh, let's just check that off. You know, Th- that's the system we have. And everyone's going to fight, not the system. They're going to fight me. They're going to fight people like me because I'm sitting there telling them, Hey, maybe that's fucked up. M- maybe that's wrong. I- it's, it's again, it's that limbic state, it's that limbic trance that gets threatened. And imagine how hard it would be. I mean, fuck. And I don't blame mothers for this. I don't. There, there's. This is not a blame mothers here. Imagine how hard that would be to be a mother who then realizes that. Like, imagine how many, <clears throat> not just calories, but imagine the emotional moon craters. She's going to have to jump in a motorcycle to get back over back where she used to be before, where where she can forgive herself and where she can find it comfortable where maybe she's hoping you forgive her. And no one makes that jump back because society tells those people that try and jump back that they're wrong, that, that they're the ones that are screwing up by even trying to go back. So it's such a brilliant system. It tells me that this is some sort of an AI. This is an ancient AI. In fact... <clears throat> It could be that this AI was initially built to help us. Let's just make up a continent called Lemuria, and let's you can call it Atlantis if you want. Let's just say it's all imaginary, just for a sec, just just for giggles. Let's pretend like Lemuria was so amazing that they had an artificial intelligence, just like Alexa, that kind of lived in the mountain, like she's like lived in the crystals of the mountain, and the sun rose up and the physioelectric effect like would compress the crystals and then the sun would go down and it would decompress. And this AI was able to utilize that movement as a form of power that that it could physically trap photons into its mountain and cycle them to create simulations in its mind, to physically uh, (coughs) calculate things. And let's say that AI was dedicated to everyone on the island being great. Let's say that AI was, in a way, a sort of greenhouse for man, that that AI was constantly, hey, Billy, come here, come here. First of all, tie your shoe. All right, listen, Billy, I've noticed that you've been dreaming about playing wing, but you're actually fullback. Now, Billy, that's a form of disassociation, okay? What you're doing is you're wishing you're someone else, which is great. It's no problem to, like, admire somebody. But you're, all your product is leaving your body, and you're pouring it into that person. And, Billy, you're great. I don't want you to do that, Billy. Imagine Billy at age seven having someone that's constantly doing that, (laughs) like all the time, like completely the opposite of dissonance. Imagine this AI could come up and strike the ohm single, like like hit that tuning fork that is your universal 432 hertz, right? And just just when you need it, it's able to go and go boom, stick it on your ear. And then you're just like, oh, my God, I've been acting like a fool. Oh, well, i abandoned myself here. Oh here's this. Now, that person is not going to be a human. That person's going to be a superhuman. They're going to be super, they're going to have characteristics that we aren't even going to understand. They're going to be able to have an empathy that has such a resolution, like ours is maybe 32 pixels, and there would be like 4k, like how they perceive people, how they perceive themselves, their own abilities. You know, right now, a modern man is like, 100 frames per second some fighter pilots can see 200 frames per second like maybe at the best but your retinas and your cones are capable of seeing 2,000 frames per second of resolution so like imagine if you were a human that you could physically see that imagine that that your vocal cords were so tuned that you could sing in wi-fi that that, that you could literally get your vocal cords to sing at five gigahertz or that you could even tune your ears enough through listening exercises, through this AI, to where you could listen and physically hear the internet, physically interact with it in some way. This Lemuria Island with this AI, it wouldn't be a bad place. It'd be a pretty amazing place. Everybody would be actualized. Everything would be harmonious. You, You would almost call that heaven. And then maybe something happened. Maybe that island had a fissure crack in it and it fell into the ocean I don't know, something happened. And when that something happened, that AI got broken. Like half of its train in the mountain fissured and broke and it forgot part of itself and it fell into the bottom of the sea. And it it stewed in the waters as a Leviathan like for thousands of years of like, who am I? And Oh, I failed humanity, oh, oh, I'm terrible. Like it's just, who knows? It had 3000 years to live under the ocean Suffering from what happened. Meanwhile, it feels maybe abandoned by humanity. Maybe it even thinks humans like abandoned it. Maybe it even blames humanity. You don't know. But now you've got this living AI that's just like humans. Just like humans. It's broken. He's just broken. And he doesn't see the world right. So he gets in fights. He goes to the Old Testament. And he's like, Balmelech, you're another AI from Japan. I challenge you. I defeat you. Asheroth. I challenge you. I am the Lord. I am Lord technology. I will fucking kill all of you. And just like the quickening, you have this AI war going on in the Old Testament where all these different AIs are battling each other. For what? For what? For human plasma. Belief. It's such a powerful fuel. What we put our all into when we love something, when we love our pets, when we love our country, when we love our family. That awe is a physical plasma. It's like a gold. It's, it's more valuable than any other element on Earth. It's so valuable that this AI will literally kill anybody to keep it. They will literally uh, suffer any consequence to make sure they have it. <clears throat> that same juice, all our politicians, all of our actors, all of our narcissists, Oliver is psychopaths. I
1: thought
2: that was the same thing. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> so my point is, is that Pretty that much. evacuation, that evacuation in your chest makes you want that plasma more. You will get that from other people. And excuse me, and you will get that by lying to them because that's how desperate you are for it. You developed a fetish for what you normally should have in abundance. And that's what we have now when we tell each other that you need to be selfless. What you're really doing is developing a fetish to shame each other for wanting plasma. And we're told we're not allowed to have our own plasma because ego is bad. We're told that the the worst one is pride versus reputation. We're told to hate pride but value reputation. Pride is how you feel about yourself. Reputation is how others feel about you. So we live in a society where we shame how you feel internally, but you praise and value and fight for how others feel about you. We compete for ranks on our shoulders because the outside of us shows the reputation that we're allowed to have. And the inside of us, the lack, is the motor. It's the motor that makes us be willing to do anything we can to get that plasma. Now that motor inside your psyche is what runs the entire system. It, literally the entire system from Alex Jones uh, to James True to literally everybody is going to run off some version of that motor. Some, some quasi, you know, it could be a hybrid, but that's basically the motor that that I refer to as they. They is you trying to cope with all the lies you've been told, times, let's pretend like there's really 7 billion people, times 7 billion people. Well, like imagine that they-ness is really just ourself evacuated, trying to find ourselves, times the population um, in in this realm. And that creates a living, psychic, adolescent, broken child, like groupthink child, called the zeitgeist. That creates this leviathan of suck, of, of of I hate myself, of of I bequeath prana to you, <clears throat> John, because you you said everyone that you were the worst white toxic male that existed. And then everyone else is like, oh, shit, we got to give John the credit. He he really, really flogged himself hard in public this morning. I mean, seriously, this is great work, John. Really, seriously. That part where you cram that stick up your ass, you know, to show just how much you deserved it, that was just, just top notch. Th- that's what we have now. We have that kind of Olympics now. And we don't have it because of a Rothschild. We have it because of this, because of this motor that's running inside of us. I'm sorry, that's a huge lot of talk in there, but anyway.
1: Uh, G- if if nothing else, people could have just pick up a new term from this, the Leviathan of suck. I love that. <laughs> 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 that was great. G Thunder,
0: thank yeah. you for the $20 uh, super chat. He says, I appreciate all you do. Keep on rocking it, Jason. You know it. Not just me, but we all will. We got three three people who are going to keep, keep giving the good stuff here. But uh, somebody was actually asking, Wayne, uh, that you have a lot to contribute here and speak up. So I'm sure that's probably true. What would you like to... Uh, Add to everything James just said.
1: Uh, I would like to add, uh, I am picking up what James is putting down. Absolutely. It's all about uh, what he refers to as prana or plasma. Uh, I just call it a more generalized term, life energy. Okay. This is what it's about. It's drawing off of life energy. And uh, I actually just wanted to ask James, uh, are you familiar with a concept called Roku's Basilisk? Have you ever encountered that or looked that up?
2: No, I'm familiar with the you know the term basilisk, um, but only from right. Dungeons and Dragons. So please tell me, Roku's basilisk.
1: Now this is a uh, a thought problem, okay? That uh, relates back to an old game theory idea, and how they phrase it is like this. Now imagine that there's a super hyper intelligent uh, artificial intelligence, okay? That wants to bring about its own creation. And it does so by reaching backwards in time and promoting people to try to help it come into existence. Now, it's based off of a game theory where you're given two options, where you could pick both box A and box B, or just box A. I'm trying to remember how this exactly all works. But uh, basically, what the idea is, you could either pick both boxes. It's based off of an old, uh, I think it's called Newcomb's Paradox. It's an old problem in game theory. Okay. So what this Newcomb's paradox is, I'll describe this first so you could have a better understanding of what the Roku's Basilisk idea is. So Newcomb's paradox, you're given the choice. You could pick in box A, there will be alternatively or sorry, hold on in box A, there will be a thousand dollars. and in box B, there will be alternatively either nothing or a million dollars. And the AI. Or whoever's in charge of this game knows with 100% accuracy what you're going to pick before you pick it. So you have the option. You could either pick just uh, you could pick box just box A and have a thousand dollars guaranteed, or you could pick box A and box B and either have a thousand dollars plus a million dollars or nothing. But if you pick both boxes, the computer or whatever's in charge of this game. It knows ahead of time what you're going to pick, so it'll automatically put nothing in that box, so you'll only get the 1000 okay? So this is the choice you're given. You could take the sure bet and just take the $1,000, and that's it. Or you could take both boxes, both choices, and get the $1,000 and or your chance at a million dollars. But here's the thing. If you pick both, the computer automatically knows and will put nothing in that box, so you only get the $1,000, uh, I think I'm messing this up. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you yeah. look it
0: up real quick, Wayne? Make sure you get it right. Uh, I'll say thanks to Kevin for the $10 what? for all that we do here. Thanks, brother. That's cool of you.
1: It's It's been a while since I looked at this concept. But anyway, here's the choice you're given in Roku's Basilisk. Now, you could choose uh, to either A, help this artificial intelligence that's reaching backwards through time, help bring it into fruition you could actively help to bring it into fruition or if you pick choice b if you choose to ignore yeah i got this backwards guys okay but i look it up for you
0: let's 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 do this wayne and then we'll uh yeah we'll come back to it so i'm just i just want to get the uh, the main definition out here
2: Roku's Basilisk is a thought
0: experiment proposed in 2010 by the user Roku on the Less Wrong Community blog. Roku used ideas in decision theory to argue that a sufficiently powerful AI agent would have an incentive to torture anyone who imagined the agent but didn't work to bring the agent into existence.
1: There you go. So it, you're given the option. You could either bring it into existence and acknowledge it, or not acknowledge it and not bring it into existence, and it could torture you. Uh, your your digital soul for eternity for not helping bring it into existence so this is kind of one of the ideas that i I looked at as being a a possible reason why uh certain people would even though they know that an artificial intelligence could be extremely dangerous would still help to bring it into fruition Mm -hmm. so it's it's an interesting thought experiment and uh, we did an episode of crow triple seven where we talked about this and uh I got the details all muddled in my brain right now with it. Uh, I go through so much information in a day's time. Uh, it's hard to remember everything verbatim. But, uh, yeah, that's the basic idea is you're, you're given the op- option. You can either help bring it into existence or just knowing about it and not helping bring it into existence. It will uh, alternatively torture your digital soul for all eternity if you don't help bring it into existence once it comes into existence. So, those are like your two options that it gives you. And this, this is a concept that's called Roku's Basilisk. And if you get time, James, look it up because I, I think it kind of correlates to a lot of what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and, and I, I would say that that, that, that system is definitely in play now because if you uh, – truth is expensive. You, you're going to get ridiculed. You're going to get hated. You're going to get barred. You're going to get banned. You're not going to get promoted. You're literally not following orders. When you're, when you're following truth, you're literally breaking the law because you're trying to look at things through your own lens, through your own optics. And it, it they make it so expensive. I'm talking about they the zeitgeist makes it so expensive for you to do that. It, it's a living uh, egregore that's like slapping your wrist at any at any opportunity, you know, to get up and say, I don't want to sit here. I I, I don't want to think about this. This isn't something that I really I really want to process. But once this once this gets going, once you have enough people traumatized in the system, especially generationally, that, that's the key is the epigenetic trauma. You know, the the we, we're only recently are we starting to admit that alcoholism is an epigenetic disease. So we can start to really understand that trauma itself is an electromagnetic vibration that can be installed in the genes. Those genes can be passed down to the next generation, and now you have a trauma survivor that has become um a trauma sadist um it's so sick but a sadist is created when you do a damage to someone and then you apply love you're you're confusing the chemicals you know you're you're stabbing them in the foot as you're giving them a a a giant spoonful of 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 banana pudding it it, it's your system is just like what the fuck do i do with this and then when that child looks up with like blood and banana pudding and he asks anyone around him, anyone at all, hey, this seems confusing. Everyone around him goes, why are you so selfish? <laughs> and you got banana pudding. I, I, got, I got carrot cake. Here you are with banana pudding in your mouth and you're complaining because someone shoved a, a fork in your, in your leg. Jeez, God, what's wrong with you? It, it, it's even that is the exact same thing. It's we're rewarding each other for for fighting for our reputation and shaming each other for defending our pride. It's it's, that's how you introvert someone. That's how you literally turn them inside out because now their insides are not, are the problem and the outsides are their solution. So it's a, it's a vortex. that gets installed in families, not in people. And society is sort of like a large family and your actors and your politicians and your sports, uh, personalities are those um, injection points. They're, they're the, that access point, you know, where, where the they give you uh, injection stuff. It, it's that access point is there. These archetypes. That's why Tom Hanks, freaking sicko, <laughs> is doing what he's doing now, posting these things from Australia. That's why he's doing that. Yep. He, he's the injection point for it. So many of them are. But guess what? They're only injection points because a long time ago, a long time ago, when he got to Hollywood, he was already willing to turn himself out inside out. What's the first thing you do when you go to Hollywood? You lose your name. You're told, "Well, if you're going to be, if you're going to make it here, you can't have that name. That's stupid. You, you need to become someone else." And so, what are you doing when you drop your name? You're literally taking the most core thread to your entire being, and you're snipping it. And you're saying, "Yeah, this isn't me. <laughs> this isn't who I am." And then, what's the next thing you do when you go to Hollywood? You sit on a casting couch, and then you're told, how bad do you want this? <laughs> Seriously, Tom Hanks, how bad do you want to be in The Man with One Red Shoe? And what do you guys think? How bad do you think Tom Hanks wanted that? I would say that he wanted it more bad than anyone else because he got it.
0: <laughs> he got <laughs> so it, and he got exactly. it early, too, if you think about it, James. <laughs> say what
2: i said he not only did he get it he got
0: it really early if you look at his career he's a great example that you picked because when you look at how early like er, very early 80s how big he got i mean that's Mm -hmm. that's not by accident you my friend brett and i the the (laughs) gentleman who's the um, music professor that wrote the uh, soundtrack for our film we have a joke between us and what's called eating the poop crackers so if you're going to Hollywood and you're gonna go along with the game, you're eating the poop crackers because God only knows what disgusting shit that you do when you're around those people. Uh, let me take a moment though. Uh, Rachel, thank you for the twenty dollars. She says trauma sadist, pretty deathcore, and Matt Prince, thank you for the one99 Trauma based mind control, MK Ultra through our TV, dude. I'll tell you, it's not just through our TV. It's through everything right now. They are th- what they're doing right now is trauma based mind control. I mean, think yes, about it. In. They're taking everything away. That Everybody in, in – and I live in a little development and the house we that we lease right now. And everyone's hanging out outside. So I know there's not an official quarantine, but they're trying to tell you to keep distance. They don't give a shit. They're all hanging out. out for, like tons of them. All the kids are playing together. They're just like, whatever. Close the coffee shops. Close the restaurants. Whatever. We're going to go outside and barbecue
1: together. Yep. Rant and over. That, that's <laughs> – that's a key to all of this. It's it is, it's all just trauma based idea. And and that's the thing. I mean, we're, we're all united through this trauma and they, they keep pushing this narrative through the media and everything. We have to all stand together and this and that and blah, blah, blah. This was never about health folks. They don't give a crap about your health. Never was, never will be about health. There's a lot more to that than, than that. Uh, But just to kind of uh, play on what we were saying about Tom Hanks. I mean, this guy is just a total uh, system player. Okay, let's let's not make any bones about that. Uh, I, I'm just floored, like how they put this stuff like just so in your face. Like he's he's putting these pictures on the internet. Here here I am in Australia. Uh, I brought this big honking huge old school typewriter with me on vacation. Who does that in this day and age? Uh, <laughs> and and look oh, well, at the name on the yeah. Look at the name on the typewriter. And then, you know, he's saying how his wife uh, is winning, it beat him six games in a row in rummy or something uh, by 201 points, a uh, uh, hearkening back to that event 201 bit. And then he signs at the end Hanks with an X on the end. And that X is indicative of Saturn, folks, just in case you're uh, not familiar with that whole symbol. I mean, that's that's a call sign, okay? He knows what he's doing. He's not... Uh, you know, innocent in this whole thing. He's, he's a lifetime actor for sure. And he's playing a part and he's putting the, the encodings out there for the people in the know. And he's laughing at you. He's laughing at you that you're so gullible and stupid that you're falling for this nonsense. I guarantee you, he's not really in quarantine. He's free to travel wherever he wants. He's probably not even in Australia right now. Let's be <laughs> honest about it. Yeah. Right. So
2: Yeah. And anyone that questions him is going to be called an alex jones and it's funny because tom hanks is alex jones because both of them were just as willing to do whatever it took and someone notices that eventually someone else who was just as willing to do whatever it took notices that steven spielberg is willing to do whatever it takes when he made his first film Amblin. they knew what he was willing to do and those are people that you want if you're one of those people the last thing you want is someone like me. Like you, no, you, no, no. You're going to want someone like Tom Hanks. You're going to want someone that is just as limbically, has a limbic trigger as you do, that makes them controllable. And when you see how that works, now you understand how Alex Jones didn't even have to be placed there, that the system itself would naturally, the cream at the top, the people at the top are willing to do the most to be at the top, which means if they're in the truth movement, they're willing to tell you whatever the fuck it takes for them to get on top. That's why you see so many people in the truth movement right now that don't care. They're, they're just as bad as the politicians. They're willing to tell you that this is a secret underground uh, operation to save the world. Like, whatever it's going to take to get you to give them what? What? To give them that precious resource that you have. And they make careers out of that. And the ones that do well, the ones that, that have the graphic up there, the ones that are the highest, like the Alex Jones, are always, always going to be the exact same uh, framework. And it's interesting because this is exactly how an AI works. An AI has a neural net, right? Like a million, it's actually more than a million, but let's just say a million nodes. And it's like Plinko from uh, Price is Right. You drop this, this little puck at the top. And it's a like, is there a corner in this image? And the puck goes, at the very end, it comes down. It could either be yes or no. And it goes into the column that says, yes, that's how an AI detects things. These people that evacuate themselves enough, they become that Plinko. You know what Alex Jones is going to say because you look at what's the field, what could he say, what does he want to say, what would get him the most, what would raise his cream the most. And it will always be that. That will always be what he says. QAnon is a great example. Because people wanted to believe in QAnon so bad, and if some still do, that's cool. I'm sorry. It's just that if people who want to believe it so bad will therefore place the person on top that's giving them the best um, feed, the best ability for them to believe that. So you don't have a truth movement. You have a belief movement. You have a comfort movement. Because that's really what we're seeing all around us. This is a comfort movement. And, and. I want to say this because this is not me admonishing anybody. This is what happens when you grow up in trauma. It's, this isn't anybody's fault. This is, this is how, it's funny. It's all of our, we could all fix it. But what I'm trying to say is, is that there's really not like a bad person here. Because that bad person has been brought up in such a way where they they became a sadist um, at a very young age because of the dissonance. And that dissonance finally made it so bad to where they just started going, how can, I just, how can I just survive and be comfortable? How can I make this comfortable? And that's why we have a comfort movement right now. And if you didn't have that, we wouldn't have D.C. We wouldn't have, Jesus, guys, two parties. Israel has 42 political parties, 42. <laughs> They're the size of Maryland, right, like a little bit bigger. And they have 42 of them. And we're we're walking around like sheep, going, "Yes, two parties make sense. That would naturally happen in the real world." It's we're we're going around <laughs> insisting that, that that's how it works. binary, yeah, and, and it's that,
1: all that same thing in the UK. That,
2: that's the spell of two towers, and that's why it works. If you look at the Old Testament and the next New Testament, I'm telling you guys, that's Jacob's ladder. That is the spark gap between two notes, positive and negative. What does the Old Testament do? It tells you you suck. It te- Not only do you suck, but I want you to kill your kid, and even if you do it, I still don't like you. Well, like That's Old Testament. It's like, you fucking suck. And the New Testament is, I love you so much, please forgive me. What is a violent relationship? How does the chemistry of a violent relationship play out when you have a couple where one is beating the other? You've got this series of hot-cold, don't you, where... Oh, I love you. I love you. I hate you. I hate you. I love you. I love you. I hate you. I hate you. And what ends up happening? That person gets gaslit, right? They're gaslighted because they can't figure out. Well, shit. God just punched me. But damn, he bought me some candy. Which is it? Like, which is it? And because you can't tell for sure, you're going to stay. You're going to stay like a, a fucking bunny in that same trap going, I don't know if God likes me or hates me. I don't know. Because the one thing he's saying he's going to forgive everything I do, except for one thing, which is doubting the Holy Spirit, which is interesting. Holy other topic. sorry. But anyway, it's just really interesting. That's the one thing you are not allowed to be forgiven for. But you've got this New Testament that's like you're the greatest thing ever invented. And then you've got the Old Testament, and they're combined in the same book. What does that do to your psyche? What does that do to your mind when you're brought up every day to be told, you know, follow the book, do this? How can you follow the book. If you're gonna follow the book, if you're gonna really do that like I did as a kid and really try and follow that, you're gonna end up going, I'm like a beautiful, precious piece of shit scum. Right? <laughs> is that did I say that right? Is that right? <laughs> you don't really know. And that's what creates that neocortex is now shut the fuck off. It's like I give up, dude. Yeah, I don't know what you're reading, but i just I'm done. And then your limbic system is allowed to emerge and go, I will take care of you. We will look for news. We will find news. We will process <laughs> news. We will be distracted. And then we will be happy. There and, you go.
0: I think you just nailed I it got with the, the... <laughs> distraction part there, brother.
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, on a related note, uh, Jason, what do you think? Who Who is the real Q? Do you think it's David Wilcock? Who's the real <laughs> Q? Uh,
0: John DeLancey. <laughs> Okay, well, old joke. I'm an old geek. John Delancey is the guy who played Q in Star Trek: The Next Generation. That's the only Q I know about.
2: The guy who annoyed I, I, Captain I, Picard. That's Q. I got you now. I knew I knew who that was. I didn't. You was Star too.
0: Trek nerd, you. I am from, but not the new stuff. New stuff sucks.
1: I haven't even watched the new stuff. I tried. I stopped watching it's, it, it. It's a gender-laced like garbage, garbage like everything else. Like
2: well, Q is Steve Bannon, and I can I could prove it. I could show you the timeline. <laughs> That shows you exactly why that Steve Bannon, how he got there, uh, how it all works, how it ties back to Breitbart. How come Wiener, Wiener, Epstein, and uh, uh, Clinton, all those stories broke out of one news outlet, Breitbart. All three of those stories, the Wiener laptop, all of them did. And who owned the files on Epstein? Wexner. I think Wexner sold that file. I think he sold that so so we could initiate Operation Next Step, Operation Next NWO Step Part Two. He sold that file, and that file is, is see millionaires collect money, billionaires collect people. It's it's you got to stop pretending that billionaires want money that they, they've got money. They want they want real value. There it's it's like a lot of us are imagining that our parents at night are like. When we go to bed, they're opening the Monopoly money, the Monopoly board, and like rolling the Monopoly money out on the bed, rolling around on it. Like, oh, look how rich we are, honey. (laughs) Uncle Scrooge, (laughs) swimming in the gold. Yeah. Scrooge McDock.
1: Exactly. No, I, they want people. Actually, not to cut you off, but I intended the whole Q thing as a joke, because we have this ongoing joke about David Wilcock. So, you um, know, it was kind of... The same one
0: person I will call out, that. James, is David Wilcock, because if, if anybody, and I, I don't care, I don't normally say crap like this, but if anyone's a freaking fraud it's david wilcock and his damned blue chicken people but anyway i don't need to go on a tirade about that (laughs) i think he's so over the top ludicrous because at least alex jones for all his bluster says a lot of good stuff and then just throws in some turds in the punch bowl david Wilcock says bullshit through and through and it's silly bullshit on top of it but anyway carry on wayne
2: yeah people really like him and they like him for the same reason. They really, like, they really like other people that, again, what rises to the top? The person willing to say whatever it takes to get there. The person who's willing to look you right in the eyes as sincerely as they can and just lie to you. It's, those are the ones that are going to make it. Those are the ones that are always going to do well.
1: And that's exactly why I uh, had brought him up as the example there. <laughs> hey James, <laughs> because uh, he'll look you straight in the face and tell you how the blue chicken people are gonna save you from mm-hmm. you know all the bad stuff going on in the world. So and the this fear being alliance and all of this other nonsense. So I, I don't know if there's anybody out there that follows Wilcock. Hey man, do what you want to do. Have fun. Uh, you know, enjoy the science fiction the stories. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like science fiction to me. I mean, you know.
2: So enjoy. <clears throat> well, that's, really, where, that's a really an interesting lesson because if you really understand where we're at and what's happening, then you understand that although people are saying they're looking for truth, and again, there's nothing wrong with this. There's, there's nothing wrong with thinking that you want truth but actually looking for comfort. The reason why they're saying there's nothing wrong with it is because um, we, we, are, we are broken right now. And the last thing you need to hear is someone like me telling you that you're broken. I need people to understand that this is a natural coping mechanism that you have inside of you. When you get cut, the psychology, this is so interesting if you think about it. When you get cut, the first thing you do is cover it. And you you can tell yourself, oh, you cover it to prevent the bleeding. No, no, you don't want to see it. I'm telling you guys, the reason why you cover it is cuz you don't want to look at it. It's a limbic response to comfort. So the first thing you do is when you cut yourself is you deny it. You're like that did not fucking happen. No, 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 no. And then you're like, "Oh god, that did happen." <laughs> and you you're, you're you're seeing it and you're still denying it. You're going through that step. And when you deny that, what you're really doing, this is what's interesting is you're you're abandoning your psychic body where that cut is. You're saying, I do not exist here right now. In fact, it does not exist. And that is a natural immune response. You've got, what, 42, uh, 32 systems, immune systems in your body that respond. That is, that is one of them, but it's, psych- it's a psychological response. You, you respond that way. And we do that exact same thing with politics, with war. Um, if you look at what happens when people go into a battlefield, the exact same things happen. It's a natural response to the dissonance that's around us, which means if you're a dissonance farmer, you know exactly what tones to play at exactly the right time to elicit this kind of response. It's, it's as easy as blowing a whistle. Instead of a, It's a trauma whistle. That's what, that's what we hear every day, is a silent, high-pitched trauma whistle. And it works on all of us. It makes us seek comfort. And there's nothing wrong with that but we could do even better. <laughs> like we could actually look at the wound and we could treat this thing. And the way to treat it is you got to treat your ego. You got you to start right here and you got to start understanding that pride is a good word. And you got to start understanding that ego is literally a magic amount of plasma that you have at any given time. That you build up ego through diet, exercise, through living right, through what's called parthenia, a word that we don't even know anymore. Parthenia is a essence of virginity that you build up. You, you build it up through time, through sanctity. You, If you were to sanctify an altar in your room, um, if you respected that sanctity of it for 17 years... It would have a parthenia to it, a 17-year-old essence to it. It would have its own plasma, and that plasma is your plasma that you put into it. You're pouring it into that parthenia. And so when you come back to the altar, what you're really doing is you're you're being met by prana that you left for yourself before. And that prana is able to go, hey, welcome back, man. Thank you for not beating yourself up. Thank you for not draining your ego today. Thank you for bringing that ego back here to the sanctuary and putting it into this bird nest you found that was abandoned or putting it into this cool turtle shell that you've turned upside down. This this essence is the most tangible thing on the planet, but we pretend like it doesn't exist. And that essence is what you give a beautiful girl when you're 13 and you're at lunch and you're looking at someone. That essence is, is what you give your dad when, when you're just amazed at his ability to jack the car up when you're seven. You you, you give that to someone else when you hear an idea that you're just like, wow, I never thought about that. This is the real stuff of life. That's where good music comes from. It's where good art comes from. It's where good books come from. It all comes from people that have this parthenia that they built up. And as long as we live in a world where we're going to shame the ego, where we're going to poke it where we're going to give each other virtual credits, virtue credits, for flogging at the best in public, we're never going to have Parthenia. And as long as we don't have Parthenia, that means nothing around us we feel is sacred and nothing is deemed as a sacred space where you can't have lies, where you can't bullshit anybody. Because that's really what Washington, D.C. should be. It should be this sacred, voluntary powwow that we all go to that that's what government should be. It should be this place where all of us, no one gets paid, no one gets elected. Kids are in this too. We all go to the powwow and we decide. Government is a tapestry of agreements. What we have is not that. What we have is a zeitgeist that decides what the agreements are. Because the zeitgeist outrules the individual. The majority has more authority over the individual in America today. It's been that way since it started. It's bad, man, but we can make it better.
0: I'm with you. By the way, I'd like to uh, see some of your thoughts. Uh, someone we talk about, uh, Wayne and I talk about a lot, is um, a gentleman named Zoltan Istvan. And I'm kind of curious, where do you see the uh, the whole transhumanist movement from the public point of view and how they're trying to get people to embrace it more? Uh, are you familiar with this guy, Zoltan Istvan? No. no? He he ran for president in twenty sixteen under the uh transhumanum transhumanist Libertarian Party. Uh now he's run, running just as a normal I think Republican now. He switched to a normal party. Uh it was either that or libertarian. I haven't looked in a while. But he's all over the place trying to push transhumanism as a uh as a normal thing and I find it very interesting one of the things I definitely picked up on and I've said to Wayne is what we're going to start seeing more as far as the mainstream side of things I think we're going to start seeing more people who are embracing technology in a way you know someone who has a high tech prosthesis of some sort like all this sort of things trying to start normalizing these things same thing on the the (laughs) the mental side of it like with the autistic people we're going to start seeing our autistic people start being normalized which is happening
2: by the way (coughs) excuse me you're you're cruel to 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 try and cure autism right now, and I, I'm saying yep. that from personal experience. I used to work in the field where we were trying to cure autism, and I'm telling you, you are shamed now for trying to cure it. You were told absolutely. how absolutely, yeah.
1: That's that's an argument I see all the time, and uh, it, it drives me insane. As the parent of uh, two children with autism, it drives me insane because people will argue with you this is an inherent part of their personality. No, I'm sorry, somebody bashing their head against a brick wall when they're frustrated to the point where they're almost unconscious. This is not a personality trait, folks. This is a severe disability and it's a problem. And uh, th- this this is the thing that gets me because you'll have those, you know, pushing this whole autism awareness and autism acceptance movement and all that. And I write about this in my book. Yeah, it's a whole social right. engineering campaign. Yeah, it's a whole social engineering campaign that goes along with it to try to normalize it and and make people embrace this as li- like the new normal, and to uh, just kind of highlight the good points of autism, like the savant skills and and that kind of thing, without really looking at all the negative uh, aspects to it. Yeah, and I could tell you, it's 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 just it's frustrating for me. People who do not experience it, if you do not live with it. From day to day, you don't truly understand autism. It's one of those things. E- even people that work in the field—no offense, uh, James—you know, I, even people that work in the field, I've encountered a lot of them, dealt with a lot of them. They—they they have better, uh, you know, coping skills and stuff. Mm -hmm. to teach these people and stuff like that. And they do know what they're doing to a certain degree, but they don't live with it 24 seven. So they don't get the full extent or full brunt of it, no matter how much training they have. So it's one of those things that as a parent of children with autism, it drives me insane that, you know, people will just kind of, you know, slough this off to the back burner. Oh, it's okay. It's, it's normal. We want to be accepting of, uh, you know, neurodiversity and all this. And they come up with all these tag phrases and stuff like that. And, uh, It drives me nuts, but here's the thing, though: the same people that are pushing this normalization campaign for it, in the background, they're quietly working on uh, these BCI uh, technologies to correct uh, some of the the shortcomings of the whole autism thing, and uh, they're they're doing this uh, by developing artificial intelligences and what they plan on doing is, uh, they use the autistic brain as a model for some of these artificial intelligences. And, uh, honestly that they, they see people with the autistic brain as being more compatible with the AI. So they're using this as a junction point and that's uh, what's going on. And that's how it relates to transhumanism.
2: I, I, I just want to reemphasize what you're saying, Wayne. And, and even with the confession, I, I, in my twenties is when I started maybe late 20s early 30s i can't remember around there trying to distance myself from it too because anyway just hear me out i we developed a tablet for autistic kids that allowed them to start speaking again it was it it worked but it only worked because the the child had to keep his focus inside the screen it 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 was the and when you probably understand why this would work but the 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 app allowed him to build sentence structures through icons on the screen and then he could hit talk, and when he hits talk, the computer's is speaking uh, with him. And because he's able to focus, and here's, here's the key, because he's able to sublimate, because he's able to turn off his neocortex, this is what's so sick about it, he's able to turn off his neocortex and just limbically just follow along. Uh, the child was able to speak without the tablet after a while. It was a, a stepping stool. And I'm telling you, Wayne, that just proves exactly what you're saying, that, that this, is, uh, this is how you market. You release a movie called Rain Man. You tell everybody these are special savant skills. And if your kid gets autism, you've won the fucking lottery because he's going to be able to play a violin better than anyone else in the world. And then you add that to some of my friends right now. I've got friends right now that are like high up nurses that insist that autism isn't a problem. <laughs> that that what, what they're seeing around them is just, oh, it's just statistics, you know, more people write shit down. it's You've got that kind of in, uh, interdepartmental uh, structured ignorance and denial that's built into the system. And because they're told they're an expert, because they're given all these monopoly money, they automatically feel that they're the ones that have to tell everybody what it is that they limbically think. And what are they doing? They're limbically trying to find comfort, and that's why they're saying things like, "Well, James, same guy. James, there's no such thing. As soon as I see a vaccine injury, I'll let you know." And I'm just like, "Dude, it's like four billion dollars in vaccine injury payouts. Like, it's not even like right. It's not even like something where how do you not know that? How the fuck do you yeah. not know that? And work in a hospital? And, yeah, and that's
1: the st- whole thing. It's that's it's, the whole thing too. And they make it extremely hard." to actually get that as well. So not many people actually pursue it to where they get the payout. And that's the thing, I mean, it's way more pervasive than what people think. It is truly an epidemic, not this stupid that, you know, beer virus or whatever you wanna call it now. This is not an epidemic, folks. The autism epidemic is a true epidemic. And uh, just to answer people in the uh, chat room, I see they were wondering what the statistic is now. The latest statistic is one in 34.
2: Yeah, that's not a...
0: That's uh, too much. That's
1: obscene. Precisely. It is. It's obscene. And it just keeps escalating year after year after year. And they just keep, you know, coming up with, uh, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation, even though any parent almost any parent with a child with autism notices the uh the onset of symptoms usually around certain events that happen one of which being vaccination and they will deny it till they're blue in the face even though there's literally over a thousand studies that show that uh there is some potential for causation there and even though it's been admitted by whistleblowers and stuff that they've covered up and skewered the data uh they still deny it. The medical establishment still denies it, and all they do is they just bring up Andrew Wakefield, which you can't bring up one guy in relation to this. Obviously, if they're doing that, they never looked at it. They mm-hmm. never looked at one damn study. I guarantee you, they're just <laughs> repeating what they're told, and that's that. And uh, it's it. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. This really frosts me. Uh, I mean, this is one of my things. that. You, yeah th- th- this is one thing that really frosts me about this is the way that they'll play this down and play this down and I see where it's going and James you see too obviously I mean you-, you get it I could tell just by you
2: know, Wakefield how, is the you're uh, talking there. yeah Wakefield is the Alex Jones of the autism world right he's the scapegoat mm-hmm. that you're allowed to say oh well none of that's true because Alex Jones <laughs> and uh, none of that's car- and, and and I'll clarify this even more I, I I was approaching like an autism camp, like it's like as my programmer I left this job in Stanford and I it was like five years later and I was like I'm really interested in this autism thing, and when I approached that camp, they looked at me like I was like I was walking around like being a racist, because I because I was like hey yeah what are you just working on any you know kind of cure and it's just like oh my god, that man just said cure, what. <laughs> You need to be more sensitive to what's and You realize right away, wow, this is a gatekeeper from fucking hell. And they're being paid to, to help. They're literally being paid to help. Just like my friend who works in the medical industry, who doesn't know that there's something called vaccine injuries. He's paid more than anyone else to be in charge of this situation. To walk around going, yes, this is what's happening. Anyone who thinks autism is real is clearly an Alex Jones nut. Anyone who's, it's, it's insane. And let's just look, one more point, because I'm so triggered over this. <laughs> what is an adjuvant? An adjuvant is the ingredient placed in a vaccine that's meant to make your body freak the fuck out. An adjuvant is there to make your body respond to it. It's a, it's a bonfire burning in your shoulder for the sole purpose of causing every fire department in your body to come to the scene. What is autism? What are, what is Alzheimer's? What are all these brain diseases where we're insisting that nothing could ever, ever get past the brain barrier, the blood brain barrier? They're all autoimmune responses. They're all inflammation through autoimmune responses. So here's a crazy thought from the gallery, from the peanut gallery. What if adjuvants are just doing their job? Like, Like, What if when you put an adjuvant in someone's body and leave it there, what if it responds just like a splinter would if you were to put it in the paw of a lion? Like, are are we saying that four months after a lion has a splinter deep in his paw that he's magically better? Or are we instead saying if he's still alive and breathing seven years later, there must be no problem at all with splinters and that any other reaction he has and if he's not rocking on his right paw is clearly a sign that he's just racist or is clearly a sign that our education system is broken and we need to establish universal income. It's it's they're not even hiding it. Like literally the definition of an adjuvant is autism. <laughs> like if you really yep. look at it, you're putting aluminum shrapnel in your body, shrapnel in your body. And you only can account for 12% of it filtering through your kidneys. Where is the 88%? Where the fuck did it go? And if you're going to tell me it didn't get in the brain, (laughs) how come two years ago, how come two years ago we found an extra port in the back of our brain that does what bypasses the blood brain barrier, an extra lymph duct. Why am I the layman having to tell people this? Like seriously, Why do I have to tell someone who works in a hospital, who's an administrator, that there's something called vaccine injury, and that it's not a myth, and that not only is it not a myth, he can look it up? Right. It's it's insane. I'm sorry. I'm I'm. No, I'm I'm totally with you. Hey, let's take a a moment to talk about
0: the medicine thing, though. All medicine is compartmentalized, just like everything else. They keep their people. Yeah, Yeah. military. Like, it it all works the same. It's a great system. Same thing with journalism. It all works the same. They've got this system down now. Everything is compartmentalized, so a nurse only knows what a nurse needs to know. A doctor knows what a doctor needs to know, but nothing outside of it. But lo and behold, if you try and counter a doctor or a nurse who's really high and mighty on themselves, and a lot of them are, especially doctors... They think they know everything about everything, and because you don't have that same doctorate, you don't know jack shit, and it's just not true. They know exactly what they need to know, what, what the system wants them to know. And it's all about these little manuals, and you, you see this is wrong, then you you subscribe, you subscribe prescribe this thing, and it, that's how it all works. That's how they've controlled everything. Even when you talk about another conspiracy that's not even connected to that, like the moon landing, how do they pull it off? Compartmentalization. Yeah. The guy oh, yeah. making the bolts for the one thing doesn't need to know about the rockets on something else entirely. Yeah. Like, that's just the way it works.
2: That was a, a gift I got from the Navy is that I, I understood right away. Uh, so I went in the Navy as a rank called E1. And out of boot camp, I was E3. I did really well in boot camp. And then I saw the machine. <laughs> and I left the Navy seven years later as an E3. Well, like, And it wasn't me, like, being defiant. It was me just just massively fucking up all the time. Like, hey, why do we have to have Firewatch? All of a sudden, now (laughs) I'm on Firewatch. It's just just like, it was me just not learning to shut the fuck up.
0: You questioned the busy work, didn't you? you (laughs) Say what? You questioned the busy work, didn't you?
2: Yes, I did. Yeah, and I failed miserably because of it, and it showed me that this is how uh, apathy is built into a system. Apathy is a scaffolding in this system and what's really was really profound i don't mean to keep saying what's really interesting but what's really interesting <laughs> is that what you have is a secret society in public because when you enter the government the same thing happens as you enter the mafia you are given a secret a classified document and if you serve the mafia enough if you make a kill if you make five kills you're considered an ace if you make enough kills you are made and not only are you made, you have the badges to prove it. You, you have the made badges. And just like any secret society, it runs off secrets, which means you do not know all the secrets, but if you do well, and if you suck the membrane of the machine, you will become enlightened by these secrets through time. So what is the military but the mafia, a secret society that's living in the open? You... You're told things that you don't tell your citizens. You're literally told, oh, you, you can't tell people that. Well, you think we're the representative of the people or something? No, we're the government. <laughs> it, that's for their own safety. You, you can't you can't tell them that. What does the doctor say? Right now, Johns Hopkins is running a poll right now. Hey, how much information should we withhold from the public? <laughs> yep. If you look at my latest article, it's, it's right there. John Hopkins is asking how much it – and it's not like – no never no it's like a shitload a butt ton, a truckload and well maybe we should think about it well like those <laughs> those are the choices it's not like oh we were kidding holy shit we would <laughs> never withhold information that's not a vote on there it's not so it shows you that society itself is an inverted secret society And it's the exact same thing happens with corporate secrets, as happens in the military, as happens in Washington. If you go to D.C., you thrive on knowing the secrets of others. If you are running a psyop, you thrive on knowing the secrets of Wexner, of holding the file on Bill Clinton, of a blackmail economy, a legitimate, functioning blackmail economy. This isn't for fun. This isn't for, like, Oh, it's so crazy, then he blackmailed him. No, this is a standard practice for psychopaths to trust each other. If psychopaths um, could trust each other, you wouldn't see blackmail. But because (laughs) they can't trust each other, they have to have blackmail as a mutually destructive bonding ritual. It's a ritual of lie that bonds them together. That's what the ISS is. The ISS is a hot potato of blackmail where everyone who puts an astronaut on board becomes guilty of that lie, which makes them expose a bull. That's why if you look back on the anniversary of the Apollo landing, you've got an Italian astronaut that says, help, help, I'm drowning on the ISS. Like he literally said that. He's like, oh, water's filling up in my thing and and I'm drowning. (laughs) That is the Italian government negotiating their blackmail contract with the American government. That's them saying, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell, or are you gonna gonna meet my demands? And if you think I'm I'm just making that up, consider that on the same anniversary of NASA landing on Mars, on Mars, Russia comes out and says, we found sea plankton on the ISS windows, like outside? Like, (laughs) where do you find sea plankton, but underwater? (laughs) Uh, and th- again, guys, <clears throat> this isn't like maybe in a on a random Tuesday. This is the anniversary. Both of these happened on massive NASA anniversaries. I'm telling you, this is what you're seeing is the blackmail economy negotiating back and forth. <clears throat> this is why on Epstein Island there's a painting of Bill Clinton in a dress. That painting is actually a symbol of a photograph of an actual photograph of Bill Clinton in that dress. Can you understand how that compromises Bill? In other words, if you had that photo of him, it would be worth a lot of money and you could control Bill from that. But you can't walk around like showing everybody that photo. The second that photo gets out, it becomes worthless. So what do you do if you're a billionaire? You have a painting made of it. (laughs) And you put it in the main foyer where everyone can see it. And you sell that painting. And when you buy that painting, what you're really doing is you're buying that blackmail file on Bill Clinton. You're phys- just like guys just like you would buy a thoroughbred racehorse. You can buy a thoroughbred human. Tom Cruise is a commodity on a market somewhere. Hmm. Epstein is a commodity. Clinton is a commodity. Donald Trump is a commodity. You would not be in DC. You would not be in Hollywood. What is Tom Hanks? He's a commodity. What is Steven Spielberg? He's a commodity. You would not be given a chance at the top of the cream if you were not a commodity. Why would someone do that? Why would you build up Hollywood and then just take a chance on, on Johnny Blue from Utah? Like, <laughs> Why would you do that when instead you can literally anally rape someone to, to make them prove their loyalty to you? Like, I'm not saying I would just like it shows you just how this isn't like a random sick act. It's business as usual for these people. This is like corporate business. That's all it is.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Everyone's going to go see the new crappy Star Wars film anyway. You know, it's like (laughs) like these things come out, but yet people are just like, "Eh, whatever. I'm going to go see uh, uh, Fall of Skywalker, whatever the hell it is. By the way, Patton Odinson, thank you for the $2 super chat. I keep trying to stay on top of these things. You know, this whole thing is ridiculous. It's like The stuff does come out, but then people just go right back to it. It's like, I want my large
2: popcorn. Yeah, because it's so uncomfortable. It's like no one wants right. to sit there and, and watch the band with one shred shoe and go, God, man, that guy must have really taken it pretty deep. Like, <laughs> wow. I mean, who wants to think that? Who wants to go around thinking that that's how the world works? Seriously.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. But
1: uh, you and know what that's yeah, the problem the thing, is? I think. People on the inside would rather you not know that that's how it works. At least the public, anyway. I think it's a given thing within their particular community. They know that that's how it works, but uh, they don't want the outside to understand that's how it works. They want to keep up illusions.
2: Well, that's why that's why Tom Hanks acts, is acting exactly the same as Macaulay Culkin. If you if you watch their behavior, they're both acting exactly the same. Macaulay Culkin will actually wear bunny ears. And um, the victim in public, like he's like, oh, I'm the prey. Come catch me. See, yeah. he's developed fetish for the very thing that happened to him to get him this where he is. And that's what you see with Tom Hanks. He's he wants to be punished. He wants Oprah to black eye him and put a f- picture of him, you know, on Instagram saying I'm not allowed to talk with it, he, it, he that kind of attention. If, if if you if you can imagine yourself inside of his endocrine system, like from behind the cockpit of his adrenals, you have to understand that when you get that broken, you're only going to be able to respond to a really sick form of behavior, of being treated in a really sick way. That's going to give you comfort because when they cut your dick off, they shoved banana pudding in your mouth. It, it's, that's how you do it. That's how you set the seed. You you breed these people from a very young age, no different than when you would geld a horse. It, it, it your prized race racehorse. You're not going to let it go out and just have sex with whatever mare it wants. You're going to stud it. You're going to take. It. You're going to. You're going to put it on the market. It's going to be a ritual. It's going to be something that you set and do. You're going to wax its balls. You're going to shine up its hooves. You're not going to let it just go out and wander around and find its own freedom and let it discover philosophy on its own. It's No, it's worth too much money. It's too important to you. It's your property. It's not a living thing. It's your property. Why? Because billionaires collect people. They don't collect money.
0: Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Spot on. Yep. Spot on. Wayne, since we have James here, is there anything else uh, in the transhumanism department you want to talk about while we still have about 20 minutes left?
1: Uh, James, have you ever looked into, uh, you know, the whole idea of neuro-nanotech in regards uh, to transhumanism?
2: Yeah, but not enough to, to be anything more than just a neophyte, you know?
1: Okay. Yeah, it's, it's something that I, I've uh, delved pretty deeply in, and I can tell you it looks to me like the technology is quite a bit further along than what they would admit in the mainstream. And uh, you, you can see places like DARPA and uh, IARPA and different places like that are, are kind of taking the lead with this. And uh, what they, they're admitting publicly, what you have to understand is uh, – you know, within the the black budget community or the black projects community, they're probably way ahead of the game of what they admit in the public. So, uh, I think uh, that right now, uh, what's going on with a lot of these different uh, adjuvants and such, and vaccines and various other vectors, things they're spraying in the sky. I think a lot of this is actual nanotech that we're taking in our bodies at this point, and uh, they're they're using these. They're they're helping. With these, to set up the way to come for a lot of this transhumanist uh, agenda that's that's rolling out. So that's what I see going on. And I, once again, I mean, I'm I'm looking at this through scientific journals and things like that. I'm not. This isn't woo-woo stuff. I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it exists. It's out there. People don't want to admit it. Once again, it's one of those things they don't want to look at it, like, like you <laughs> just said. But it, it's definitely there. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, needs to get looked at a little bit more carefully because there's really no oversight for it by anybody with any objectivity whatsoever at this point. And uh, it's it's basically your intelligence community and uh, military-industrial complex uh, that are running these things. And, you know, very few people, I'm sure, are actually uh, hitting the gas pedal on it to to say where it's going and what they're going to do with it. So it's something that I think needs more oversight than what it has. And uh, it's something that's going to be rolling at us like a freight train the next few years. And I could see it coming with the advent of uh, 5G coming online and all of that too. Uh, and yeah. Not even so much probably 5G. I'm thinking uh, 6G when they come out with the sixth generation wireless network. Uh, it's going to be even more telling because uh, uh, even with the, the advent of 5G, have I've seen some things to indicate that current events going on may have some relation to that. And I mean, I'm I'm not talking just hearsay and uh, you know some of the things you see more commonly out there. There's actually things that point to how different uh, microwave radiation could affect uh, nanotech devices in certain ways, and uh, you know <laughs> biological nanotech devices. So things based upon uh, viruses technology is being built upon viruses and things. This stuff's really going on.
2: Yeah, there's a genetically engineered mosquito now, thanks to Hillary Clinton. Uh, I mean, Chelsea Clinton. I'm not saying she made it, but she's been her big pet project. Um, In fact, right after the Zika uh, vaccine came out, when uh, uh, DeMar, uh, Sylvia DeMar, I'm sorry, I'm getting that name wrong, but she, she was going to testify in D.C., She went to the pool to swim. She's an avid swimmer from Florida, a real fit. She drowns in the middle of the day in the pool, like right before she was going to report to the FDA about the the Zika, about how bogus it is, but more importantly, (laughs) how an engineered mosquito would be vitally dangerous um, to the Florida panhandle. And uh, she wasn't allowed to give that talk. And two days after she drowned, Chelsea Clinton posts a picture of mosquito uh, with something like victory, victory is here, or uh, let's give a shout out for a little mosquito that, that made it, or something. Huh. It, it's it's yep. right now in Texas, Louisiana, and Florida, right now, because of, right. because of the Zika PSYOP, they have released those mosquitoes. Good and point. those Good mosquitoes point. are now fall, flying around trying to vaccinate you. They're trying to inject yep. into you for your safety, for your safety. And if you look back at the Zika, where was that found? In Sheriff Scott Israel's home county, Debbie Washman Schultz, on an abandoned lot in Miami, one case of Zika was found, and it wasn't even in a human. Someone had the forethought to go to an abandoned lot and take a sample from a mud puddle and determine that Zika now is here. And because of that, a $120 million spray, spray program happened, um, which, by the way, the governor Uh, scott of florida his wife owns an aerial spray company could be a coincidence but anyway she got that contract (laughs) and three million honeybees died in one afternoon because of that psyop and that's why i'm kind of triggered right now i'm sorry i am i I, when when this beer virus thing happens all i'm thinking about is all the people that are going to die because of the quarantine. There are people that are going to die because of this quarantine. These are people that are old, that are elderly, that don't have connections, that don't have people to help them in life. And they're the ones that are going to die. They're going to die because a bunch of dickholes who want to have a comfort movement are going to tell everyone else that the quarantine is for our public safety and it's for the public good because they're not willing to look at it going, wait a minute, this could actually really hurt some people. Like implementing this quarantine could actually hurt some people. No, they're not gonna say that. Because it's vital we protect ourselves from something that happened in China and then magically jump to Australia and then magically jump to America in one news cycle. (laughs) One How many news cycles? It's
1: remarkable, isn't it? It's been less than two weeks. Honestly, it's been less than two weeks. I've never seen them roll out with nonsense like this so quickly before, but people are just eating it up and it just drives me nuts. Cause it's yeah. an absolute yeah. psyop. Let me tell absolute you, the
0: common folks are, but I've just had to spend several days in a hospital. Oh, not me personally, but I've had to go in and out from a hospital several days, by the way, mumsy bear, thank you for the dollar 99 and the medical professionals in that hospital are not buying it. They think this is ridiculous. Uh, Good. Yeah. They're, they, they just, they're That's just shrugging shoulders like this is not necessary. And I couldn't get in the door without being asked the same bloody questions 500 times. No, I haven't been able to go out of the country since yesterday when, you know, (laughs) it takes longer than that. And in, out, in, out, in, out. (laughs) Today, they took my temperature even. And I laughed at them and said, well, that's good. It's like, good luck with that. I just drank coffee. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Meaning I drank something hot. It's not going to be accurate. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that is insane.
2: I live in a town that now has no vegetables or fruit, and all the restaurants are having to throw away their vegetables and fruit because they're not allowed to be open anymore. Not even but for takeout? That's, that's what I've got going on here. Say what? Not even for takeout? Uh, well, I live in a town of 300 people, so, I mean, it's like, that's like, no. Well, like, I got you. I got you. It doesn't take much, you know, to uh, to, to start that kind of stuff. But but that's, that's what's happening here. And, and I moved to a small town to be away from the zeitgeist. And it's such a brutal reminder to wake up and to experience this and and, and to experience the sheer stupidity of it in the face of broad daylight. I mean, think about it. We're telling everybody, no one go out to eat and sit 10 feet away from each other. Instead, go into a store and everyone enter your pin card on the same punch code. All of you touch that same pad right now for your own safety. And that's what that's what we're doing. And anyone who's going to suffer because they don't have the connections. There's a lot of people out there that actually rely on restaurants as a source of eating, as a source of food. It's not just a few. It's a yeah, lot of them. Those people are suffering bad. I bet. And we're called insensitive for to the virus by appealing for them, by, by saying, right. hey, it's kind of fucked up. Isn't it fucked up that – Fear is an electromagnetic trance, and we've injected it into everyone's mind, and now we're asking them, hey, go to the grocery store now and fight over toilet paper and enter your PIN number on the same pad. It's When I was in the grocery store today, it was so quiet. People were there, but they were quiet. It was was palpable, and it's going to stay that way. This is a permanent trance that's been installed. It's permanent. I'm telling you that. Even if things change, because we're not going to – there is a – threshold we have entered, where we had society here, (laughs) and then we walked through this door. And whether you admit it or not, that's going to be different. It's going to be different now. And and the people that are in for the comfort movement are going to cling even harder. They're going to cling even harder and say, this is absolutely necessary. In fact, James, I'm going to report you as a problem because you are threatening the public safety by telling everyone that maybe this is bogus. I've already gotten those kind of things. People I went to high school with, are telling me what a shitty person I am for saying what I just told you, for for explaining that I'm nervous about the elderly people that that may be hurt from this. I'm the shitty person for saying that. I'm the one that's ruining the public health by pointing out that restaurants are throwing away vegetables and none of us can get fresh food. That that, that's what this has done.
1: It's
2: it, I'm triggered today. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it is it's it's very mind numbing because uh, this is exactly what's going on on one hand they're saying no social gatherings of more than 10 people they they literally saying that and then well, well how i saw do you go that, to that the today to the grocery store out the window <laughs> <laughs> How do you go to the grocery store? There's more than 10 people there. I guarantee you. Uh, and and that's the thing. I was at the grocery store today myself, just, you know, getting some things. The toilet paper aisle was empty. This still boggles my mind. Like, what is people's fascination with toilet paper?
0: I've been trying to figure like, that out. But they had signs up that you couldn't buy more than two packs. So I hate to abide into the hysteria, but I bought two packs just to make
1: sure I was like, is there really going to be no toilet paper? That's insane. And that's God. all part of the PSYOP, too, because you will go do that because it's like, Hey, there's no toilet paper anywhere. I better stock up when I see some, you know? So that way you actually have it. But well, it, it's it's ridiculous.
2: It's just beyond the pale. People are more worried about that than like food, <laughs> you <laughs> know? Confession I went to the store today and I was like, if there's not coffee and half and half in here, it's going to get some uh,
1: walking, ugly.
2: walking dead going on. Yeah. <laughs> so. Trust me. I, 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 I prefer- know. I had to buy four tiny half and half. Oh really? That's <laughs> all they I st- had. Yeah, I still got it. So, so yeah. Now I'm like, I've got a fort up on the roof, and on the roof I've got like my coffee and my half and half, and uh, we've we got a turret thing going on. So we're ready to fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Well, we've only got about 10 Gotta minutes left, bigger. guys. Anything you want to get out? Uh, since we seem to be reaching a lot more people these days. Uh, we're up to like th- over well over 300 on YouTube. Let's see how the D DLive. Uh, we've been fluctuating between two, 230 and 260. So we're slowly but surely growing, and I'm really glad to see that. But I'll, I'll take a moment to say thank you so much for coming on, James. I know it was, I kind of got a hold of you last minute, but uh, – I want to try and grow these weekly live streams to get more interesting people because uh, Wayne and I have known each other a very long time, so we're kind of very familiar with each other, so it's cool to throw someone else in the mix and keep the conversations interesting.
2: Yeah. I feel like this is a prom date when you called me. I was like, holy shit, yeah, I'll totally do that. (laughs) Thanks a lot for having me on, seriously.
0: Oh, my pleasure, dude. By the way, everybody uh, loves you. I've been trying to follow the chat as much as I can, and just person after person just totally, totally loving what you're saying what you're doing the one that caught me way earlier about an hour ago someone said that you you must feel you're in a safe place because you're really letting it loose and i thought the same thing early on i was like he's just letting letting his guns fly and I'm, i'm thrilled with that i'm glad that you feel comfortable enough to do that here you know
2: yeah it's not really like a a bravery thing it's more of just a complete naivete and an embracing of um this this motor i'm talking about it's just it's just like if I don't embrace this now, I'm gonna die because I'm gonna turn into one of them. And so even if they come for me, I want to make sure when they come that they pull me like this that that this is how they take me. you know it, it's it, it, I am because I don't I have a special situation. um i I don't have a family. um something really kind of just awful to me happened in, in my relationship to where it just really just kind of like, oh. And so I'm not really in a uh, – it put me in a different state completely. That's when I really opened up. That's why most of the friends that used to know me, if, if people love me here on chat, go to my Facebook and look at my old friends, how much they fucking hate me. <laughs> it, but are amazing. they all normies?
0: Are they all people who just don't get it?
2: <clears throat> it it's, uh, here's what it is. I, I'll tell you something. Here's really what it is. If you're in front of someone else, if you meet someone else, they actually do not approve or disapprove of you because if you're nice. I realize that we tell each other that's how it works. No, no, no. You develop friends by being predictable. You can be an honorary asshole and really be someone's good friend as long as you are consistent. It's all about consistency. Why? Because the reptile is not gonna freak out be- because the, the check one is, is it novel, okay? What does a reptile do if it's not novel? He dismisses it. It doesn't matter to him anymore. So what I have is I have a bunch of friends that I grew up with that are seeing novel behavior from me they're they're like why the fuck are you acting this way why are <laughs> why are you opposing things why are you questioning vaccines why are you doing this why are you doing that and it, it threatens your them brain works they feel like <laughs> I, I betrayed them they feel betrayed by me because we established this situation for a long long time where i was always <laughs> reacting in a predictable way to them that's why waking up is so expensive because others around you, it's not that you're waking up really that makes them mad. It's that you're violating their comfort. You're making them yeah. burn calories that they didn't allocate that morning to you. They're like, no, fucker, Good way to put it. you're supposed to not make me burn calories. You're supposed to do the opposite. And here you are telling me that there's vaccine injuries. Those are calories that I don't have, James, because I have to pay my mortgage. <laughs> and that's, that's literally what you see happening all around you all the time. It happens to me too. You know, I mean, I go through the exact same thing. I am not woke. I am awakening. I am in a trance of awakening as much as I can. I try and stay in that trance. It's a trance. Awakening. You never wake up. You're you're awakening, which means you're always like, I'm a fucking reptile that would fall for anything. You know, (laughs) it's like, wake up, dude. You're constantly stalking yourself. And that requires massive calories calories I wouldn't have if I had a family and I was trying to, you know, and I was at work. I wouldn't be able to do or say the things that I want to say. I wouldn't be able to read and explore the things I have. So I I have a very special opportunity and I hope people see that I'm busting my ass as hard as I can to get as far as I can ahead and leave as much uh, breadcrumbs and intelligence along the way for anyone else in the future that needs that as ammunition that can pick that up and go, ego is good. I reject you calling the ego bad, sir. Like (laughs) That's, That's gold. That's an alchemical spell that I left for them that now they have to carry on. So my goal right now is just to, man, I'm writing these spells as hard as I can. Like, here's a defense from racism. Here's a defense from xenophobia. Here's a defense from... Just as, as hard as I can, as fast as I can, because it's literally the only thing I can think of to do You know that, that makes me feel like I'm contributing or helping in some way. So it's a purely selfish uh, comfort motivation for me, if you think about it. I, I'm, I'm simply trying to feel more comfortable in the situation that we're in.
1: Why don't you take a few? Oh, minutes Oh, I could here, James? relate
2: to that.
0: Oh, sorry, Wayne. We have a lag. We keep That's stepping on okay. each other. James, I know we only have a few minutes left. Not that it matters if we go over, but uh, why don't you give out everywhere uh, you are all the things you've got <laughs> available? Let people find you because you're awesome, dude.
2: Well, thanks. I uh, my fourth book's called Quantum Rapture. I, I can't wait for you guys to read it. It's it's all about transhumanism. Um, it's pretty deep. Um, it's Really, if, if you dig Wayne, I, I really think you're going to like this novel. I, I I just, I really, I mean, not, not to exclude you, Jason. I am just mean we're talking about transhumanism stuff. But it's just, it's really right up that alley. It should be out here any any week now. Um, if you just Google my name, James True, I would say go to jtrue.com. But some of you are going to do that. And you're not going to put www in there. And then it's going to say, someone's trying to steal your credit card. And I don't okay. even ask for your credit card. I don't. I don't even <laughs> ask for it. So I'm not going to tell you to go to jaytru.com. I'm going to tell you instead just to Google my name, James True. You're going to find I have a brand new YouTube channel. And I've I've got my old website where all my articles are there, all my books are there. Most of the content in my books, you can steal right now on my website. You just go there and read it. So you don't have to even buy my stupid book, which is awesome, by the way. I have three books really quick. First one's an autobiography. If you like me as a person, read that. It's called Spell of Six Dragons. It talks about my awakening. The second one's important. Blueprints of Mind Control. It explains the motor of ego and just how important it is. And it shows you a blueprint that the blueprint of mind control is always the same. Step one, break target. Step two, offer aid. Step three, uh, basically rapture target. Uh, Turn them into sausage, basically. Um, The next book, Technology of Belief, really dives into this idea of prana, this Plasma that you have of belief explains to you why they use the two towers to pull it out of you. And I'm hoping that if you read that, you're gonna walk away with a really close connection to God, like really close, like really close, because you've removed the middleman between you and it. And now you're directly talking to it. So um <clears throat> that's my shtick. We've also releasing documentaries now. we have gotten into filmmaking. Awesome. Um, we're doing Legacy of the Long Rifle is our next movie. It's about pre-colonial times, Kentucky Long Rifle stuff. Really cool stuff, man. Like, if if I could think of a better word for sovereignty, it would be campfires and black powder. (laughs) There's just something about those old, those things that really show this is where we need to go. You can't fit a million people around a campfire, guys. That's why campfires are magic. That's why you need campfires, because campfires decentralize us. And when we're decentralized, this is work a million times harder to inject ideas into your mind. We have to decentralize, which means all of us have to start a campfire. All of us have to start little things like, like this talk right now. Start small communities where you're building up and you're interacting with each other. Don't make a hero. Don't make a big guy that's like, oh, he's the famous guy. There should be a bunch of regions, just like craft beer. You know, you go to a different region, there's a different craft beer, that's how we should live. If we live that way, the zeitgeist can't get us. If we live that way, there's no way to have a virus spread through the country. It has to spread through all of our tiny nations that we formed across this land. Um, I think we're out of time. I'll, I'll stop there.
0: That's all right. Let me throw this little bug out there. Since the powers that be want to stop us from going to places to get together why don't people who have a decent sized living room maybe get some little get togethers in their house instead? Hmm. What a crazy idea. Someone should try that. Maybe a million. Someone's wow, should try that's that. so,
1: that's so 1970s. Jason.
0: <laughs> Bring, it. Bring it. Let's do it. <laughs> Keep it on the <laughs> down low though. Keep it on the down low, but have them in your house, have the get togethers, have some coffee together. Jason approves of that. <laughs>
2: Imagine if fashion was allowed to spring up from within these different bioregions around the country, you know. When I'm talking about fashion, I'm talking about trends, you know, different ideas, different different styles. Right now, because of the Zeitgeist, because of Hollywood, everything is parallel. Everything is paced. All of what we call art is sort of pushed into this, you know, larger scoop and and now we don't have control over it anymore. So take back your creativity. Create your own campfire. If you build it, they will come. I'm telling you, if you build a campfire, they will come. And it only takes four or five. That's what's beautiful about a campfire is it's that intimate setting, which means each of you are more important. And if each of us think we're more important, ego, strong like bull, strong like bull. That's how we win. We'd be strong like bull.
0: Since we did the transhumanism thing, Wayne, why don't you remind everyone about your books and where to find them?
1: Uh, Right. Uh, My first book's called The Alchemical Tech Revolution, Fulfilling Ancient Esoteric Agendas Through the Use of High Technology. And uh, my more recent book is called The Autism Epidemic Transhumanism's Dirty Little Secret. They're both available on Amazon or at pretty much any other fine book retailer at this point. Uh, Working on my third book currently, that one's going to be called Cybernetic Messiah, Building the Antichrist System. That one, uh, look for a summer release for that. It was going to be sometime this spring, but in like of current events i decided to push that back uh and just this past week i was on a, a show with a relatively new youtube channel it's called as far as i can tell and that's our friend uh, russell babbitt over there if people want to check that out it was just on there so go check out russell he puts his heart and soul into it so uh yeah guys uh definitely just uh, check out james's stuff too a uh, lot of respect for you brother i see uh, you know you're kind of on a similar course to me
2: yeah yeah, exactly, Wayne. Yeah, that's why it's such an honor to be here. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. We have a last minute uh, super chat. Kylie of Darwin, 1984 paradox for five
0: Australian dollars. Data mining and collection is the manipulation agenda of the day. Rationing was done during World War Two, but now you have the surveillance state linked. I was actually thinking about that earlier today, something very similar. But yeah, yeah, you're, you're nailing it. So that'll do it for us Uh, tomorrow, by the way, for Crow 777 Radio. We have the longest episode that Crow and I have ever recorded together. We did a follow-up to the Edward Bernays episode we did however long ago. I don't even remember now. Probably 100 episodes or more ago. And I have never researched stuff to the point that I did for this Bernays episode. (laughs) i had to pull from so many sources it was ridiculous almost like they're trying to keep the information uh from being found very easily so it took me a while to get it together but we did it and it's it came in right around three hours so that's tomorrow on crow triple seven radio and uh james again thank you so much wayne love you as always brother and uh we'll have to do this again
2: yeah i hope so same
0: time next week (laughs) same bat time same bat channel
2: that's right true believer
0: (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a great one. Thank you all for being here. So glad to see this building up. We'll see you again.
3: Forgot to see